is New Albion calling. New Albion calling. Good evening. My name is Theodore Pilkington Rhubarb, and you are listening to the ARC Light Program. Coming up next is Slumbertime Stories, with a heroic tale located in one of our local landmarks that I myself know only too well. But first, our regular and uh, somewhat controversial feature, listeners' letters. Mabel, Mabel, why have you got that look on your face again? Please don't say this isn't actually a letter from a listener. Fine, well, don't say anything at all then. After all, the nation is listening. Well, far more likely they aren't. Oh, well, here it is. Dear Reverend Unctuous Custard, Mabel, Mabel, are you just making these up? Please tell me you're not on the sherry again. Oh. Dear Reverend Unctuous Custard, Responding to your previous correspondence on the subject of trousers, I find myself moved to the following haiku. Too long for school. Oh yes, my dear. Treacle seeps into the ether. I await your soonest reply, Mrs. Trumpet. <sighs> well, I've got one word reply for you, Mrs. Trumpet. Cobblers. <sighs> Mabel, 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 don't try and hide in that cupboard. Do you have your pencil? Well, get your pencil forthwith and take a note. I'm, I'm waiting. Got it? Right, right, take this down. No more listeners' letters, unless they're actually from a listener. Or I'll be forced to find something else for this slot. The controller will not be happy. Well, I have no idea what. Nepalese throat wobblers or something. Or anything, I don't care. Oh, and now I have to compose myself all over again. Well, dear listener, let us put aside the poetry of our youth and spring eternal into the jalopy of whatever is next, which in this case is Slumbertime Stories. This week is the first part of a wonderful tale of a good Samaritan and a hungry man, read by yours truly, Theodore Belkington Rhubarb. Part one of Highcliff's Tea Room by Darren Cannon. Flippity-jig, I am completely lost. Expluttered Reggie Peabody to no one in particular, since, indeed, no one was paying him the slightest attention. Somewhere between the overpriced air taxi and the overheated Mongolian barbecue, he had taken a seriously wrong fork in the corridor and was now unlikely to make his dinner reservation. Oh, flippity-jig, he muttered again turning about face and wondering if retracing his steps to the Polish delicatessen might help in any way at all. Mind you, the somewhat partially well-named High Cliffs Tea Room was, quite frankly, a very easy place to get lost in. Set over some twenty or so stories on the outside, and much more besides on the inside, of an imposing white cliff at the very end of the homeland, it was very much the place to dine. Assuming, naturally, you had the money, desire, and navigation skills required to reach the restaurant of your choice. 
Oh, this really is too much, he sighed, regretting now his decision not to ask for directions at Bellissima Italiana, where a kindly maitre d' had offered to assist. They really should have guides or something in this place. Barely had these words escaped his lips when a head popped out of a previously hidden serving hatch and asked, Are you in need of assistance, sir? The voice and head belonged to what gave every appearance of being a teenage girl wearing a rather natty fur-trimmed porter's jacket and matching pillbox hat. Before Reggie could so much as gather his thoughts, the face continued. I am at your service. The hatch in question turned out to be merely the top half of a cunningly concealed door, wallpapered in the same peculiar flock design as the rest of the corridor, which now swung fully open to reveal the young lady in her entirety. The girl sported cropped, boyish blonde hair beneath the hat, which rounded off her not at all unpleasant, over little over-eager features, including a particularly fine chin. Smart but obviously homemade black trousers and highly polished but clearly second-hand shoes completed the look. Ellen's the name, Ellen Hall. Are you lost? She pointed an accusatory finger. I can certainly help you. Oh, please do let me. This last plaintive exclamation caused Reggie to furrow one hairy eyebrow. Now, see here, are you an official guide? The girl squirmed slightly and shifted on her heels. Well, not official as such, uh, but I know this place better than anyone. Oh, do let me help. I've even memorized all the menus. She smiled as convincingly as anyone had ever smiled, and Reggie felt himself soften to her a little. To buy some time before replying, he reached into his waistcoat pocket and pulled out his brass pocket watch. Nonchalantly flicking open the cover, he glanced askance at the time, the revelation of which caused him to jerk alarmingly upright and turn slightly pale. Do you know Pierre's? He gulped through gritted teeth, barely able to get the words out. Brasserie or bistro? chirped Ellen, determined to be of maximum usefulness. Brasserie, gulped Reggie, suddenly feeling really rather faint. Yep, certainly do, grinned Ellen. You're about ten floors away and on completely the wrong side, but I certainly know it. Yes, sirree, kind of problemo. Tell me, though, when exactly is your reservation? Oh, dear God, inhaled Reggie, barely twenty minutes. With this, Ellen's face lost a little of its rosy ebullience also, but without a moment's hesitation, she reached back through the door, grabbed a ragged, overstuffed leather bag, flung it over her shoulder, took his hand, and headed off down the corridor with a somewhat bemused Reggie in tow. Then we'll talk on the move. Now I cannot imagine for one half of one split picosecond that you, dear listener, have not heard of Pierre's Brasserie Cordon Bleu Haute Cuisine de Haute Falaise? No? I, I mean, no? Oh, come now. It is a place of such pompously overhyped provenance that it requires booking no less than one year and three months in advance, and arrival within 80 seconds, no more, and certainly no less, of your reservation 
or your booking will be handed without ceremony to the salivating head of the queue in the returnee's lounge. Yes, an entire lounge devoted to such purpose. Not only that, but the stigma of missing a sitting at Pierre's will haunt you and no doubt 70 times 7 generations of your descendants thereafter. Assuming, of course, you have the wherewithal to overcome your embarrassment and social stigmatization enough to actually find a mate and reproduce at all. It is the place to be, the place to be seen, the name to drop in both polite and impolite society, and, without doubt, someone not to be missed in your small, short, and fragile lifetime. Oh, and I hear the food's not that bad either. Tell me, sir, if I may call you, sir, how exactly did you come to be on the rather less frequented Outer Mongolian and Slavic range of the tea rooms this rather middling of summer evenings? Ventured Ellen, as they moved with unseemly haste down a myriad of higgledy-piggledy corridors, dodging waiters and porters at every turn. Air taxi or boat bus? Uh, air taxi, gasped Reggie, finding the pace somewhat harder to manage given his portly frame. Ellen exhaled a large sigh. Oh, well, they've ripped you off mightily, sir. If you should ever manage to locate said cabbie again, I would most assuredly ask for your money back. Fat chance, muttered Reggie, swerving with no little elegance. He put it down to his dance hall training. To avoid three Sherpa manhandling large, unrecognisable slabs of meat in the opposite direction. At least the corridor here was a little wider than when they had first met, although it struck Reggie they seemed to be leaving the eating establishments behind. Do you really know where you're going? He inquired tentatively. Before she had a chance to reply, they came to a halt beside a pair of functional-looking swing doors, marked very clearly with a large sign reading, Staff only. No patrons beyond this point. Underneath this was written in slightly larger writing, without exception. And finally, below that, someone had added the words, that totally means you, in red ink, underlined twice. Ellen pulled him close by his dress shirt collar and whispered conspiratorially. I must certainly do, sir. The question is, though, she paused dramatically, do you trust me? Reggie gulped hard looked at Ellen, at the door, and back at Ellen again. He thought of his reservation and the seconds that were ticking away while he pondered the question. In the end, he gulped again. I do. Really? Oh, splendid, chirped Ellen, sounding somewhat surprised. Then let's tarry no longer with silly questions. And with that, she pulled him, waistcoat, watch, chain and all, through the service doors and into the starkly lit corridor beyond. They had entered the labyrinth of service tunnels, lifts and miscellaneous ancillary rooms that served the great high cliffs complex. Reggie felt quite awestruck as they dodged nimbly and at some pace past a myriad of chefs, waiters, washerfolk, bakers, butchers, probably the odd candlestick maker, and endless streams of food porters all heading this way and that with such focus and determination that they seemed oblivious to all else around them. And, 
despite the fact that the red-faced rotund gentleman, followed by the resolute and eager teenage waif, made for quite an odd coupling, no one paid them the slightest attention. Progress was reassuringly swift, and Reggie found himself daydreaming just a little. He pictured himself being ushered towards his seat by fragrant waiters, the reassuringly heavy menu being placed in his hand, the starched napkin pulled across his lap. He fancied he could almost smell the divine Chablis, almost taste the legendary succulent minute steak. With a mighty bump, Reggie was brought back to earth as Ellen slammed him up against the wall of lockers and bid him stay silent with a single finger to her lips and a sharp shh. Holding his gaze with her finger, she melodramatically swept her hand round until both it and Reggie's view were directed to the opposite wall of the lobby. Quite a scene presented itself. The whole opposite wall appeared to be some sort of giant larder or storage room into which a stream of regimented porters were stacking all kinds of foodstuffs. Wooden crates of who knows what here, stacked carcasses of a whole wildlife park of animals there. The room was easily 40 foot square and was very nearly stacked to the gunnels. At either side of this space were two mighty concertina doors with a vast array of hydraulic and hissing steam-powered pistons to govern their movement. Next to these doors stood attendants in crisp blue overalls, clipboards in hand, noting all the doings and throwings with stern attention. Behold, encanted Ellen, in an entirely unnecessary stage whisper, given the din emanating from the room. Medium, chilled, service elevator, east side, Number three. Staring further, Reggie realized that the somewhat prosaically named apparatus was indeed a giant lift, which was nearing maximum capacity as the queue of porters began to tail off and engineers could be seen readying themselves to one side of the doors. Now, intoned Ellen again in a subdued voice, we have to get on this if we're to have any chance of making your reservation. Slight problem is that, uh, no people are allowed on board. Reggie looked wide-eyed at her. So what are you suggesting? I disguise myself as a box of fruit? Don't be so silly, she chided, reaching into her large leather bag and retrieving a carefully folded white sheet and a small cardboard tube sealed at both ends. I'll create a diversion that we'll simply walk on and hide ourselves under this sheet. At this, Reggie somehow managed to conjure up a look that was even more sceptical than his previous one. Oh, far less silly, I'm sure. She ignored this implied slight and carried on. When I say go, well, go. With this, she snapped off the end of the tube, reversed it, and struck a previously hidden wick. The device began to fizz alarmingly. Not yet! She barked as Reggie became more than a little twitchy. She began to count down. Five, four, three. Then with great strength, she threw the tube to the far side of the room beyond where the engineers were gathered. Aren't you supposed to wait for one? Splattered Reggie. At that exact moment, the firecracker exploded and a shower of sparks 
and began to smoke heavily, and all faces turned towards the commotion. Now! cried Ellen, and set off towards the slowly closing lift doors. I thought the word was go, protested Reggie, but he quickly caught her up, and just as the great iron doors were a few feet apart, they shimmied in between and collapsed on a handy stack of Satsuma boxes. Quick as you like, Ellen flung the large sheet over them both. All of this had gone unnoticed, as one of the engineers attended the now spent firework with an oversized fire extinguisher on a little cart, and the others looked on touching, like this sort of thing happened every day, and was frankly just another one of those nuisances that one must grin and bear. Under the sheet, the two of them heard the doors clang shut, and the mechanisms began to whir both beneath and above them. Ellen let the sheet drop. The temperature in the lift was somewhat arctic, and their breath came out in clouds of vapour. See? Easy as that, she breathed through already chattering teeth. Hope you don't mind a little cold. Do I have any choice? stuttered Reggie in reply. Ellen assumed the question was rhetorical. Nevertheless, perhaps she could take time for a situation update while they waited for the lift to ascend to its destination. This lift will t t t take us up five floors, she began. Then we c c c cut through the livestock market. Livestock market? Yes, there are four markets in high cliffs. Livestock, fish, groceries, and cheese. Cheese? emitted Reggie, and then promptly decided to give up talking and concentrate on staying warm. Yes, cheese. At this point, Ellen also decided to give up trying to explain and began to fold away the sheet. The towering piles of chilled produce around them began to tremble slightly as the ascent of the lift began to slow. Ellen hopped off the orange boxes and motioned for him to stand close, although the vibrating of the lift made this a little tricky. When the door opens, follow me. Don't hesitate or look around. Got it? She gave him her sternest look. Righto, was all that Reggie could offer as the lift juddered to a halt and he had to reach up with his arm to prevent a box of frozen egg powder landing on their heads. There was no time for further preparations as the door began to creak open and the chatter from the waiting porters began to filter in. Go! yelled Ellen and they were off. Straight through the barely wide enough gap in the doors into the maelstrom of porters with trolleys and stewards with clipboards on the other side. Ignoring the boys and you theirs and I says, they bumped and bundled their way through and down a handy service corridor. Although clearly put out, everyone in the lobby appeared to have better things to do than run after a generously proportioned gentleman and an urchin who had decided to stow away on a goods lift. One steward did squeak up a technically correct but really rather superfluous. No people allowed, you know. But by that point, they were round another corner and practically out of earshot. I say, grinned Reggie, his ruddy colour slowly leeching back to join a smile easing its way across his face. What a jolly wheeze. You haven't seen anything yet, muttered Ellen, who was somewhat relieved that Reggie didn't seem to hear.
what is in store for our intrepid two. Will Reggie make his dinner reservation? And will the urchin Ellen amount to anything at all? It seems unlikely. But tune in to the light program next week for another edition of Slumbertime Stories. For now, this is Theodore Pilkington Rhubarb signing off. Good night, New Albion. I wish you dreams of a bright future. All stories, voices and characters created by and copyright to Darren Cameron. All music by Charlotte Savigar. Tales of New Albion is available to buy from Amazon online stores or via Bandcamp, where the album is also available. For more information, go to www.talesofnewalbion.com or search for Tales of New Albion on Facebook. Tales of New Albion is a Monkey Teaspoon production of Albion Radiophonic Corporation.